Welcome to the good old days of radio show. This is John Tefteller, your host. It's Tuesday. Tuesday is comedy, drama, variety day. And of course, uh, I like comedy, so we tend to play more of that than we do drama or variety. But we get in a drama or variety show every once in a while. This is going to be comedy. Fibbermingy and Molly, a very legendary radio show. Um, I transferred from the original transcription discs... <laughs> years worth of this program and kind of got burned out on it a bit. I find some of them much better than others, but this particular episode of Fibbermingy and Molly was uh, suggested to us, uh, suggested that we play it as being one of the best episodes of the series. John H. Osterholm recommended this one, and so uh, this particular one is Christmas-related, because we are coming into the Christmas season. We're only a couple days away from December and the official start of the Christmas season. So we thought we'd dig this one out because this involves Fibber trimming the Christmas tree. So all you folks out there who wait till Thanksgiving uh, or after Thanksgiving to buy your Christmas tree and start decorating it, you can follow along with Fibber McGee as he's starting to decorate his Christmas tree in this broadcast. Original date is December 16th, 1941, and here we go. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with songs by Martha Tilton and the King's Men, and music by Billy Mills. The show opens with the National Emblem March. Ladies and gentlemen, I heard an officer of the Red Cross speak last night. He was asking for money. He said in part that it was customary these days to preface any request for help with an apology, but that he wasn't making any apology. Neither are we. The Red Cross needs $50 million, urgently and immediately. Now for 130 million people, that's the price of a few cigars or a lipstick. The Red Cross is always ready to help in times of war and disaster, and from now on, the demands upon them will be great. But we are a great nation. So let's give till it hurts. Master of 79 Wistful Vista is not one to squander a buck and a quarter for a Christmas tree when he can drive out to the woods and chop down his own. No, sir. <laughs> and here, driving up to the house, frostbitten but triumphant, we find that lumberjack who saves Jack on his lumber, Fibber of Fibber McGee and Molly. 
to get them brakes fixed. <laughs> Boy, am I cold. <sighs> well, come on, Christmas tree. Come to Papa. You got a new home. McGee, you're getting snow all over the hall. Why didn't you stamp your feet? Why should I stamp my feet? I ain't mad at anybody. Besides, they're so cold, I'm just walking from memory. Oh. <laughs> Here, you poor lad. Let me take your coat and your mitten. <sighs> Thanks, Molly. Hey, take a gander at that tree, will you? Ain't she a whopper? Heavenly days, it certainly is. Yeah, it was the pick of the whole woods, Molly. I had to fight off 20 other guys to get it, too. They all wanted it. Did you actually fight for it, dearie? Oh, it didn't come down to actual brawl, no. One guy ups to me and says, that's my tree, shorty. And I says, yeah, I says, tossing my hatchet up in the air and catching it by the handle. <laughs> Try and get it, I says. You don't need this tree for last Christmas, I says. And he says, what do you mean last Christmas? Well, I says, sinister-like. Advancing toward him with a nasty look. You lay a blade on that balsam bud, and last Christmas was your last Christmas. <laughs> ah, good for you, McGee. Did he go away then? No. He started swinging his axe at me. <laughs> and just then I noticed that this tree, which was a little farther along and was even bigger and better. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I just sneered and walked away. Double time. <laughs> Well, it certainly is a big one. What'll we do with it after Christmas? Hollow it out and make a canoe? <laughs> Shucks now, Molly, just because What took it... you so long to get it home? You know, you've been gone six hours. Well, I had a blowout on the way back and had to stop and buy a new second-hand tire. Oh. Cost me seven bucks. Oh. Where's the hatchet? I lost it in the snow, but... I know just where it is, and next spring when the snow melts, I'll get... Oh, my gosh. What's that? Oh, it's that window in the dining room. I opened it because it was so hot in here and it won't stay open. Oh, well, I'll fix it when I get time. By the way, what time is it? It's after four. Why? Where's your wristwatch? Well, I took it off to chop this tree down and forgot all about it. Oh, <laughs> then when I went back to look for it, it had snowed some more and covered it up. Well, that's fine. A $30 wristwatch, a $2 hatchet, and a $7 tie. $39 for a 98-cent Christmas tree. <laughs> Oh, happy Yuletide. <laughs> well, I didn't want one of those measly little moth-eating shrubs they're selling downtown. When I want a tree, I want a tree, not a bouquet. Come in. Oh, hello, Mayor Latrivia. Uh, good day, Mrs. McGee. I say, McGee. Yes? About that job you wanted in the city hall. I'm still working on it, but I'll have to have a little information. Well, tell the nice mayor what he wants to know, dearie. Okay. Dig me, Latriv. <laughs> well, first, can you dominate people? Can you let the ones in that you really want to see and shut the rest out? Absolutely. Another thing, McGee, can you stand it physically? To be mauled by crowds of people all asking you questions. Can you ignore the whispers behind your back? Can you give orders in a loud tone of authority? Boy, can I. Listen to this, Triv. All right, folks. As captain of the detective force of Wistful Vista, I order you to make way there. Stand back, everybody. The oh, police... Uh, <clears throat> this wouldn't be a police job, McGee. Oh. But one of the elevator operators has just been drafted, and I've suggested you. <laughs> I'll let you know later. A good day. Why, that small-minded, boat-grabbing, baby-kissing... Now, now, now. Never mind that now. Say, uh... Uh, where should we place this tree, McGee? I don't know. Where do you think? Well, offhand, dearie, I'd say it was a toss-up between the Grand Canyon and Death Valley. <laughs> I'm not 
shucks. I told you I got to trim it down a little. Get me a hatchet, will you? The hatchet, dear boy, according to your official communique. Yeah. <laughs> is at present sleeping its edge off under a snowdrift 18 miles north of town. Yeah, well, we got a saw, haven't we? Not a very good one. It's all bent. Who bent it? You did. Huh? After you saw that vaudeville act at the Bijou last uh, October, you tried to play Pony Boy on it, remember? <laughs> well, I guess it'll still work. Say, it's awful hot in here. Yes, it is. I'll open that dining room window again. Okay. The thermostat on the furnace is out of order, and I've got to get a Boy, am I tired. Ah, but what a tree. Why, this will give us enough kindling wood for all summer. Except that we don't need any kindling wood in the summer. <laughs> McGee, I just thought of something. What's that? This tree is so big, our little ornaments are going to look awful silly on it. Yeah, I never thought of that. I better order a bigger assortment of ornaments. Now hand me the phone, will you? Here. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me the wistful vista novelty and day. Oh, is that you, Mert? No. <laughs> How's every little thing, Mert? Huh? Who? Your niece. Somebody grabbed her and kissed her during the blackout. Oh, heavenly days, McGee. Does she know who it was? She'll recognize him when she sees him. He'll have <laughs> lipstick all over his face, neck, and shirt front. <laughs> From just one kiss? What do you mean, one kiss? That blackout lasted three hours. <laughs> What's say, Mert? Okay, I'll call him later. Hey, did you get me the saw, Molly? Here it is, dearie. And now don't get sawdust all over my floor. Why not? It'll make Uncle Dennis feel at home. <laughs> See, I guess I better take a couple of feet off of the bottom first. Yes, and trim out a hundred or so branches. Tarzan or somebody might be hiding in there. Who? Tarzan. Who? I said Tarzan. Who? Oh, stop it, McGee. That's I didn't say funny. anything. You says Tarzan. Who? Tarzan. Who are you shouting at? Who? 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 Hey, what the? McGee, it's an owl. He's in that tree. Huh? Look, up on the fourth branch. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Shake the tree, Molly. Open the door and we'll shoo him out. Ooh. You! <laughs> Come on, get out of that, you big buzzard. Go on, scram. Take it harder, McGee. There he goes. Chase him, Molly. Chase him this way. Look out, look out, look out to the table. Oh, Edge him toward the door, Molly. Wave your hand, I am waving my hand. Shoo, scat, go away, birdie. He won't even look at me, McGee. Well, owls don't see good in the daytime. Well, what do you expect me to do? Buy him some glasses? <laughs> hey, who? There he goes. Go on. Beat it. Scram. Woo-woo. <laughs> well, thank goodness. Those things give me the creeps. <laughs> me too. Though I will say it was decent of him to back up my judgment. What are you talking about? Well, owls are wise birds, and we both picked out the same tree. <laughs> Don't you get it, Molly? I says owls Ain't are... funny, McGee. Okay, okay, okay. But I've been hooted at enough for one day. Hand me the saw again. Thanks. Now... Hello there, daughter. How's about... Hey, what you got there, Johnny? Christmas tree? Oh, no. <laughs> we buy our firewood on the hoof, Mr. Oldtimer. What's on your mind besides that Daniel Boone cap, Oldtimer? Just wanted to know if you could come out and play. Some of us kids are building a snow fort in that vacant lot up on the corner, having a peck of fun. Oh. <laughs> no, thank you. We've got work to do, Mr. Oldtimer. I'm afraid you'll have to romp in the snow without us. Oh, gee, kids, come on. <laughs> wanted to choose up sides and play yanks and japs. Only nobody wants to be a jap. Well, we haven't got time to play now, old-timer. I gotta trim this tree before... Then you got a corncob pipe we can have, Johnny. 
I built a big snowman, I want to put a pipe in his mouth. Go give him a cigarette. Yeah, and put a sign on him. Something new has been added. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, Johnny. But that ain't the way I heard it. Oh, the way I heard it. Hey, what was that? Oh, it's just the dining room window, Mr. Oldtimer. It won't stay open. Hey? Oh, well, the way I heard it. One feller says, tell a feller, say, he says. Why does Hitler make all his speeches from a beer garden? Well, says, tell a feller, that's so when he starts foaming at the mouth, nobody will notice it. <laughs> Martha Tilton sings Thank Your Lucky Stars and Stripes. If you live right, if you get to sleep at night, you can thank your lucky stars and stripes. If you feel free, if there's sugar in your tea, you can thank your lucky stars and stripes. Steam heat and ham and eggs and hay rides and cider kegs if you like the good old Yankee way so, say so. If you can sing and believe in anything, you can thank your lucky stars and stripes. Do you like it here? Don't you think this country is swell? Do you want to cheer? Ring the Liberty Bell. Well, if life is gay, if there's fun on Dollar Day, you can thank your lucky stars and stripes. If you can joke and enjoy an artichoke, you can thank your lucky stars and stripes. Dime stores and bobby pins and hot dogs and Mickey Finns, if you like the way we go about it, shout it. If you can sing and believe in anything, you can thank your lucky stars Cut down the old pine tree And they hauled it away to the mill To make an ice Christmas tree Just for Molly and me huh? Goodness sakes, do you have to sing with your sawing? No, I don't have to, but it helps Hey, how does it look now, Molly? Beginning to shape up pretty good, eh? Yes, if you like that shape <laughs> It's pretty lopsided It is? Where? Oh, oh yeah Sure Well, I can trim that side off a little more it's a good thing I got a big tree to start with, you know what? Well, yeah. listen now, try and be a little quieter. Uncle Dennis is upstairs taking a nap. That guy's always taking a nap. And I just found out why he wanted that old brass bed brought down from the attic, too. Why? Well, I peeked in on him the other morning, and there he was, sound asleep, with one foot on the brass footrail and a happy smile on his pretty little face. <laughs> now, now, let's not start on poor Uncle Dennis uh, again. He's a gentleman and a scholar. He ought to be a scholar. He's had more teachers than anybody I ever knew. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, I cut down the old pine tree And I hauled it away in my car 
McGee, there's somebody at the door. Who? I don't know. Let me peek. Oh, it's Mrs. Uppington. Oh, not the Mrs. Uppington, the choicest crumb in our upper crust. Yes. And wearing a hat that was made in a hurry by a cross-eyed milliner wearing boxing gloves. <laughs> Come in, Abigail, darling. Uh, how do you do, my dear? And Mr. McGee. Hi, Uppy. <laughs> Please excuse the mess in here, Abigail. McGee is trimming the Christmas tree. Oh, how fascinating. I simply adore the scent of freshly cut lumber, really. It's so invigorating and so... So outdoorsy, you might say. <laughs> yeah, I'm... <laughs> I might say that if I carried my handkerchief in my sleeve. <laughs> say, I didn't know you were such a lover of the great open spaces, Abigail. Oh, my dear. I used to simply spend all my time at my hunting lodge in Maine. <laughs> Roughing it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Ever hunt any, Moose? McGee. <laughs> Watch your commas, dearie. <laughs> Well, did you, Uppy? Oh, no, no. I was never much of a nimrod, Mr. McGee. Oh. <laughs> we called it a hunting lodge because we were always hunting a four for bridge. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you really ran wild up oh. there, Uppy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pay any attention to him, Abigail. You know, he thinks he's a great woodsman because he shot a bear in Alaska last summer. Well, that was something. If you ever walked through a dark forest with, with the feeling that something, something was creeping up on you, ready to pounce any minute, and suddenly... Wow! Help! He got me! Shoot him! Take it easy, McGee. Huh? Take it easy. Huh. It's just the window in the dining room. Oh. <laughs> it won't stay open, Abigail. But say, where did you get that hat? I haven't been able to take my eyes off it. Oh, do you like it, my dear? She didn't say that. <laughs> she just says she couldn't take her eyes off of it. <laughs> I tell you, it's just darling, Abigail. Oh, I'm so glad. That's exactly why I dropped over today, my dear, to see if you liked it. <laughs> uh, do you, Mr. McGee? Well, confidentially, Eppie, and since I'm a plain-spoken man, I think it's the worst monstrosity ever placed on a human head. Oh. It would make a Zulu medicine man swallow his spear. <laughs> oh, splendid. I'm a success. What? I just said to myself, if Mr. McGee likes it, I will simply have to give it to my cook. That man has less taste than a nightclub salad. Thank you, Mr. McGee. <laughs> That old flounder. <laughs> so I haven't got any taste, haven't I? Not in hats, dearie. Uh, when it comes to fashions, you'd better just do one thing. What's that? Saw wood. Huh? Oh. Okay. I got needles galore sprinkled over the floor in the shade of the old pine tree. Hey, Molly. How's she look now? Well, it looks better, McGee. At yeah. least we can get in the same room with it. <laughs> now, if you'll trim some more off the far side there. Okay, I'll get... Oh, hi, Harlow. Hello, Fibber. Hello, Molly. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Won't you come in and get some sawdust all over your clothes? <laughs> <laughs> Say, what goes on here, anyway? I went out and cut down my own Christmas tree, Harlow, and now i got to shorten the sleeves on it a little. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sure got the room in a mess, pal. You've got enough loose branches around here to bed down a rhinoceros. Well, lie down, and we'll try to make you comfortable. <laughs> Very funny, McGee. But what can we do for you, Mr. Wilcox? Well, it's like this, Molly. I'm a little worried about the greeting cards I ordered this year. I'm afraid the sentiment is a little too flowery. Well, read one to us, Mr. Wilcox. Though, personally, I don't think a greeting card could be too flowery. Why, certainly not. Let them drip, I always says. Well, read the blurb, Waxy. <laughs> All right, it reads, The season's greetings to you, my friend, from the Johnson Self-Polishing Glow Coat Man. 
<laughs> I hope that in 1942 and 43 and 44 and 45 and 46, you'll remember all those little tricks I showed you about saving time and dough by using glow coat on your flow. <laughs> On your flow, I'll shut my mouth on it, child. <laughs> you shut it, dearie. Continue, Mr. Wilcox. How it saves your linoleum and keeps it clean with a lovely gloss and a dandy sheen. Eliminates rubbing and buffing, too, and in 20 minutes or less, you're through. Just pour some out and spread it around and let it dry, and then you've found the color and pattern have come to life. And so have you, your husband's wife. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> Your husband's wife, <laughs> if that ain't the corny. Hey, what's that noise? That was Longfellow turning over, Harlow. <laughs> now, it was the dining room window falling down again, but go ahead, Mr. Wilcox. Well, there isn't much more, Fine. but it goes, the best of wishes I send to you from me and S.C. Johnson & Son Incorporated, too. Well, what do you think of it? Okay, okay, I'll get something else. <laughs> Naive character, isn't he, Molly? How naive? Oh, I was talking to him one day, and he looks all around to see if anybody was listening, and then whispers to me that Santa Claus didn't really live at the North Pole. He said he really lived in Racine, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Say, that tree's getting awfully small, yeah. McGee. Better not trim it much more. Uh, I know, but I decided that it would look a lot better up on the piano. Well, that'll be nice. Yeah. Then it'll be out of the way. Yeah, that's right. I'll go out and fix that dining room window. Okay. Here. Oh, I cut down the old pine tree, because the ones at the store were not free. I told the man at the store... There's a knock at the door. I wonder who that could be. Come in. Yeah. Oh, hello, Mr. Wimple. Hello, Mrs. McGee. <laughs> How are you today, Mr. McGee? Fit as a fiddle and ready to play humoresque, Wimp. Old shrimp, what's it with you? <laughs> I just dropped in to say goodbye for a couple of weeks, is all. Oh. I'm spending the holidays in Chicago with Mama and Papa. Oh. <laughs> is your wife going with you, Mr. Wimple? Who, sweetie face? Uh-huh. No, she has to stay here and knit. Knit? Can't she knit on the train? Not so good, Mr. McGee. Oh. She broke three ribs wrestling with a policeman, and the doctor says she'll knit much better at home. Well, what on earth was she doing wrestling with a policeman? Oh, she is the instructor at the police gymnasium, Mrs. McGee. Oh. The whole force is just crazy to study with her. At least, I think they are. <laughs> I'll bet you'll miss her, Wimple. How much? How much will you miss her? No, how much will you bet? <laughs> Oh, I, I shouldn't say that, I suppose. Sweetie Face is really a wonderful woman at heart, if any, and I doubt it. Well, we'll call on her while you're gone, Wimple, and see if there's anything we can do. Yes, we might take her some fruit or something. Oh, I wouldn't advise it, Mrs. McGee. Last time Sweetie Face was sick, some people took her some flowers, and she threw them in their faces. Oh, don't she like flowers? Yes, she loves flowers, but she hates people. Well, goodbye, folks, and Merry Christmas. And you. The King's Men sing Coming Through the Ride. If a body meet a body Coming through the ride If a body kiss a body Meet a body cry Every lad 
buddy, meet a buddy, coming through the ride. If a buddy kiss a buddy, need a buddy cry. Now everyone must have a loving lassie, but they say that the lassies always pass me by. Yet all the girls, they smile at me, coming through the rye. If a body meet a body, coming through the rye. If a body kiss a body, meet a body cry. Every little laddie has a bonny little lassie, but nay, they say, hey, I. Yet all we lads and lassies get together in the heather when we're coming. Whilst we're coming through the rye. Trumpeter, what are you sounding now? Hey, hey, haven't you got that prefix yet? No, but it won't be long now, Molly. Anyway, I hope not. This saw is getting duller than a bus trip to Bloomington. <laughs> well, is it still awfully hot in here, McGee? You're asking the wrong man, Mrs. McGee. I'd be hot right now if I was up to my clavicle in ice cubes. <laughs> this is a warm work. Well, <laughs> I hate to keep that dining room window open, but the thermostat on the furnace simply won't work. Say... Have you been monkeying with that, McGee? Who, me? Yes, you. With the thermostat? Yes. Why should I have been monkeying with the thermostat? That's what I want to know. Heck, I don't know anything about a thermostat. I know that, too, but did you monkey with it? <laughs> when? Anytime. Well, say I did kind of tinker with it last night at that. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Now it comes out. And just what did you do to it, Mastermind? <laughs> well, I was walking past it with a screwdriver in my hand, and the screwdriver caught in one of the little screws, and the first thing I knew, I had it all apart. <laughs> Wonderful little gadget, too. McGee, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. That's a coincidence, Molly. I don't know what I'm going to do with this little dingus I took out of it, either. I couldn't find any way to get it back in there. Well, why didn't you tell me so I could call the furnace man? Oh, I was going to fix it myself when I got time. I'm pretty ingenious with mechanical stuff. You know that. Oh, sure. What happened when you fixed my percolator? What you mean? It throws coffee across the room like a fire extinguisher. <laughs> And my electric toaster. Oh, well. I have to fix breakfast wearing a catcher's mitt. <laughs> oh, well. No machine is perfect. As soon as I finish with this tree, I'll fix it. Stop a while and listen to my... Well, you story. go ahead and I'll uh, go open that dining room window. Okay. That's just... Oh, for the... Come in. Hi, mister. Oh, hi, sis. What you doing? Watch you. Sis, I'm currently engaged in giving this deposed monarch of the forest a cross-cut massage. Well... Hmm? <laughs> I says I'm doing a little whittling on this Christmas tree. Look, do you always drink your milk like a good girl? Sure I do, I betcha. Why? Well, you better, that's all. Take a look at this saw. <laughs> Only three years old and its teeth are all shot. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you. Okay, mister. Now, I wish you wouldn't bother me anymore now. I gotta finish this job and get the sawdust swept out. Gee, you know it smells dandy in here. <laughs> sure it does. Mm -hmm. No nicer smell in the world than a cedar tree. It's one of nature's lures to get us out into the great outdoors. Gee. Is it, honest, mister? Sure it is. You gotta realize, sis, that there's a reason for everything in nature. Oh. What's nature's reason for spinach, huh? <laughs> Why, sis, do you mean to stand there with your little arms sticking out of your shoulders and tell me you don't know that? Yes, I don't, I betcha. Why, nature gave us spinach so we could have Popeye. Oh. Gee, I guess I never thought of that, mister. <laughs> Nature is wonderful, isn't he? She. Hmm? Nature, sis, is always referred to as she. Why? Well, because... Oh, boy, here's my chance to make Reader's Digest. <laughs> sis? 
Nature is called she because it's so inconsistent, unstable, unpredictable, beautiful, mean, gorgeous, appealing, nasty, and nobody yet has ever understood her. Do you think the Reader's Digest would like that? Well, don't you? The name of the magazine, mister, is Digest, not Heartburn. So long now. That's the last time I ever try to explain something to her, if I'm smart. Okay. Uh-oh. Aha. Now we're getting someplace. Now to cut her down on the sides. Now, trim the ends a little bit. Get her up there. there. Oh, heavenly days. There goes that window again. You don't have to worry about it anymore, Molly. Here, here's a nice stick I made for you to prop it up with. Oh, fine, dearie. Just the thing. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, forget it. It's nothing that any red-blooded American boy could have done. Say, it was very thoughtful of you now, <laughs> McGee. Say, yeah? what became of the Christmas tree? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I got her trimmed down a little too fine. <laughs> well, that's that, I guess. Now to go to work on that thermostat. No, no, don't do it, Mickey. Folks, day after day and night after night on this program and others for the past two weeks, you've heard urgent requests to buy defense bonds and defense stamps. It's getting a little repetitious, isn't it? Well, it's going to get more repetitious. We're going to say it again, and often, and loud. This is not an invitation to a tea party or a bingo game. This is war, and we've got to do something about it. It's going to cost a lot of money to win it, but it would cost a lot more than mere money to lose it. Now, don't wait for somebody to come to your door selling bonds and stamps. Get down to your bank or post office and lay it on the line. This isn't the other fellow's fight. It's, it's yours and mine. So here it is again. Buy defense bonds and defense stamps. Yes, and if you live in Canada, buy war savings certificates or victory bonds. Good night. Good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. From December 16th, 1941, Fibber McGee and Molly, and I didn't notice when we went to introduce this show that it was uh, just a little bit over a week since the Japanese nation bombed Pearl Harbor in the Hawaiian Islands. And so they went whole hog with uh, asking you for contributions for the Red Cross and war bonds and everything else. This was just the very beginning of the, the war, and the entertainment industry went out of its way to whip up the American public to support the war and get behind it and get it won. So interesting little uh, historical things within this particular program. Also appearing on this show, uh, Wallace Wimple, Bill Thompson is his real name, and he was the voice of Droopy the Dog in those great 40s and 50s cartoons with Droopy the Dog, for those who remember Droopy the Dog. If you don't remember Droopy the Dog, look him up on YouTube or go buy a DVD or Blu-ray or whatever, because the Droopy the Dog cartoons are quite fun. And that's the voice of Wallace Wimple on Fibber McGee and Molly, also known in real life as Bill Thompson. Okay, so that's the beginning of our salute to Christmas for this year. 
We will be back next Tuesday with another uh, Christmas-related program. And we will be back on Thursday, continuing our uh, series of kind of unusual programs related to artificial intelligence uh, with an episode of X-1. So I will see you on either Thursday for X-1 or Tuesday for more comedy Christmas-related programs. Until then, this is John Tefteller saying thanks for listening. Thanks for telling all your friends. Keep spreading the word about the show. Our numbers are increasing by leaps and bounds, and that's great because we want more and more people to listen to these shows. So uh, thanks for all that, and see you later. (laughs) 